This podcast contains real talk about the mayhem of motherhood, along with a weekly medical mystery. Because all of these topics can be pretty graphic, and because we use explicit language, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Motherhood, Mayhem, and Medical Mysteries podcast. On this show, we are not attempting to solve the major medical mysteries of the world or tell you how to raise your kids. We are definitely not doctors or scientists of any kind. We are just two moms here to provide you with support, resources, and maybe a few laughs along the way. We do a lot of research and will definitely share the things we learn, but please talk to a professional if you have specific concerns about your experiences. Here's Miranda. She once traveled Europe with a college choir. And here's Melanie. She loves wine and cheese so much that she actually named her pets Queso and Vino. Okay, Miranda, so as this episode comes out, we are begrudgingly getting ready for back to school. Begrudgingly. So, yes. How does that normally go for you? Well, we're new to the game. We're new to the school game because we just had a kindergartner last year. We've got a first grader coming up this year. It's all still a new rhythm that we're trying to find. Yeah. Well, let me know if you do, because we still have it, and we've got a fourth grader. So No tips? No tips? <sighs> Man, I mean, just come up with your best plan and be willing to throw it out the window. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, that's my tip for parenting in general. Like that time the school district called you and said that you couldn't sneak Jonah to the school he was going to, and then you had to move him to the one that was <laughs> 15 right? minutes Correct. out of your way. Correct. That. <laughs> Yeah, and we're still going to that oh school, my but it actually turned out to be a really good school, so it's fine. It's a really good school. It's just completely not on your way it's to work. the opposite direction of my office, and the AM bus pickup is at 6.03. Oh my gosh. Which that I'm unwilling be- to do. I'm not doing that. That should be against the law. That should be against the law. It's not okay. But yeah, it's one of those things where like... I, I remember when when that whole thing went down because you were trying to keep your old home address so you could yeah. get to. <laughs> I wanted to stay. Okay, full clarification. I wanted to stay at the elementary school that was on my way to my office in the morning. It was super convenient. So I left my house. I would drop him off and then he rode the bus to an after-school program that only served that elementary school. So it was very important. So I paid to have a forward put in place for like as long as the U.S. Postal Service will allow you (laughs) to have a forward. (laughs) And so that I was still getting, you know, all of the school stuff. And and yeah, so we were like still registered under the old address. If I remember right, I had like, because I have two checking accounts, like one of my checking accounts had the old address on it still. Like I was, I was like just balancing the line, trying to keep this going. Well, then Jonah 
tested really high. That's uh, the ironic part of the whole situation. He tested really high on whatever all of the tests are that they give these kids. And they wanted to do an additional test for um, talented and gifted to see if he should be in the talented and gifted class or whatever. But that has to be a mailed notification. So we Mm -hmm. literally got busted because the the extended forward had run out and we literally got busted because they were trying to notify us that they wanted to test him for talented (laughs) and gifted. And so then we were at the mercy of the principal allowed to finish out that school year. Oh, gosh. Yeah. It's so dramatic. Busted, man. Busted. Jeez. I felt really terrible because, I mean, I I don't think that you should ever lie, but also I wasn't going to make my kids switch schools in the middle of COVID. Right, right. it was COVID times then. I stand by it. And like the whole irony to this whole story from my standpoint is the fact that you've literally moved like 2.5 miles down the road. (laughs) Like you are just barely over the line it's not even 2.5 it's insane (laughs) it's It's less than two miles you could throw a rock but like i said it all worked out in the end because the kids who live in this neighborhood all go to the school that they're supposed to go to and now he does as well so now he has buddies and it worked out yeah those are those are some good kiddos man well we had speaking of things not going as planned so i am kind of looking at the calendar and i'm like you know what let me go ahead and get fisher's haircut and get ready for back to school okay always a good plan that's on the list and leave yourself kind of a little window right so you have time to do what you need to do so he's got like you know kind of a long he kind of looks like ron weasley in the fourth harry potter movie like that's his haircut and really i just want him to look we just need to trim it up a little bit okay just a he bit. Needs to, you just need to take it up an inch or so i want to keep like the shag look right it works for fisher because he has the light orange hair like strawberry blonde and when you cut it really really short he just looks bald and then you don't get to appreciate like the pretty strawberry blonde color i would not say in any capacity that his hair is strawberry blonde that kid has orange hair he is a red head through and through but it's like a light red it's not even like i mean thick red all ginger. those gingers are when you cut it short it's pale It's really pale and it's a pale look for my guy. So I took him to and his favorite place to go get his haircut is this place that's like specifically for kids haircuts. Right. We took Jonah to one of those for years, too. You were the one that first told me about it. Like they've got the race cars that you Mm -hmm. sit in. There's an airplane. Video games. There's TVs. There's like a police car. It's like a whole it's like four kids. And there's like a gift shop. They have like, you know, super overpriced plastic crap that you can buy if your kid is good and they give you like the lollipop and the balloon it's like a whole thing so anyway he really wants to go there to get his hair cut I'm like cool whatever let's do it so we go and I'm explaining to our stylist that I want him to have like the shag like the surfer boy shag like let's just kind of take the Ron Weasley up a bit and go for like this 
kind of look right like 70s like greg brady is what i'm picturing well that's kind of what we do with uh with our guy it's kind of like a 70s like rock and roll shag sort of thing and i love it yeah it works but we that's what we always say like whatever he's got just take it up an inch all around just kind of yeah that's perfect and that's what i guess i should have said because we walked out of there (laughs) with a with a bowl cut a bowl cut he looked like the nerdy kid in stranger things i'm picturing i'm picturing dumb and dumber like yes that kind of <laughs> it was so bad it was so bad it was like a straight line all the way around his whole no. entire head yes so what did what did you do you just had to let it grow out well, it was it was so hard because I mean this stylist worked for so hard like for so long. She's cutting and clipping and doing this, and Fisher's just like playing the video game, but he's twitchy and like squirming. Yeah, and she's you know trying that to cut. is hard. Kudos it's so to hard. All these people that cut children's hair—that's impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible to cut regular people's hair that are sitting still, let alone a child's. And when you're next to a squirming kiddo with scissors. I I mean, just you have all my blessings right there. You know, I mean, I know that I'm a good bit older than you. And but maybe you'll remember this on some level. But when we were in elementary school, a friend's dad did all of the boys haircuts. And he had a um, was it called a floby? It yes, was like it attached to the vacuum yep. cleaner and like you set it and just like he did everybody's hair. Yep. I'm I mean, not above getting one. They all had the same haircut. Do you think it still exists? What a great oh, it idea. It definitely still exists. My my dad and my papa use a floby to this day. I think my Are papa cuts serious? his own hair with a floby. <laughs> yes. Yes. My dad has cut Fisher's hair with a floby before. Well, you might want to get one. Because once this bowl cut grows out, you're. <sighs> oh, well, I already fixed the bowl cut because oh. I couldn't look at it. I couldn't it look at it. It was that bad. It was so bad. So I took him outside. And and can I just say that, like, I felt bad, like, continuously critiquing the stylist at the the, the right. kid's haircut place. I didn't want to be like, can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do that? Right. I asked her, like, three times. Can you kind of shape it there? Can you make it a little shorter here? Can you do this here? And then I was like, I'm done bugging you. Like, let's just get out of here and let you get on with your day. Right. But then I paid $35. That's so- that's the thing about those places like what $35 for a bowl cut because what else am I supposed to do I'm not gonna be like I'm dissatisfied with this he has a bowl cut there's like you know little kids and like moms standing around you don't want to like make a scene you're like let's just go home like let's just get out of here I'm kind of to the point in my life where like I am completely willing to pay $35 to get out of an uncomfortable situation. That that was me. That like was I'll me. do it. I I yeah. My younger days, that's way too much money. Now, I might even throw 50 on it. It depends how awkward Ooh. this is. How awkward it is. You want to make this awkward? Because I got the money for awkward. I just want to go. <laughs> that And that was me. And Fisher was like 
so restless because, you know, they get all hyped up playing the game and then they want to buy the overpriced piece of crap from the gift shop shelf. And it's just, it's the worst. And then check this out. We even, we had gone there so many times that like my punch card was full. So it was like, get a free water bottle from the thing. And the girl was like giving me grief about that. I'm like, oh yeah, we have a thing. So we get a free water bottle. And she was like, oh yeah. I'm like, shouldn't you be happy? I've given you all this business. So I took Fisher home. We went out on the back porch. I got Brad's beard trimmer and I just the whole thing myself. You just shaved it. You could have done that from the beginning. (laughs) I could have done that from the beginning and saved myself $35 and about two and a half hours of aggravation. But I tell you what, and I left it kind of long on the top. So it still looks good. Yeah, no, that'll work. That'll work. I support that. I just don't know if I can ever bring myself to go back there. I just, I think I'm over it. At this point, he's big enough. I can give him the iPad and we can just go out on the deck. We quit it too. We had to. It was too far away. It was too much of a commitment on time. It was too expensive. I mean, and I have bangs that have to be trimmed every so often. So I go to one of those, you know, places in the grocery store plaza and I'm like, <laughs> yeah. all right, we're going to, we're going to, you're coming with me. Got to do what you got to do. You know what I want to do right now? What? I really want to hear a medical mystery. <laughs> so bad. Like really, really bad. Okay. I well, I am here to serve. This particular topic was actually suggested by a listener. So thank you. All right. Please send us any ideas of things that you would like us to research for you. We're happy to do it. Our topic today is impetigo. Hmm. You don't look like you know what that is. Are you familiar with that at all? I have no clue. It sounds like a mountain bike I would buy. (laughs) (laughs) It does kind of sound like like a... It sounds like an e-bike or something. A bike or a sneaker or... Oh, yeah, an e-bike. Yeah, it's definitely an e-bike. Or like a scooter, like one of those power scooters. Yes. Well, Impetigo is actually a very common and highly contagious skin infection that mainly affects infants and very young children. So we are actually very lucky that we got both of our boys through their younger years and don't know what this is. It is the most common skin infection in children between the ages of two and five. That's not to say that older children don't get it. They do. Overall, impetigo accounts for 10% of all skin conditions in children. So I'm I'm actually surprised that neither of us know what it is. I am too. And I'm kind of surprised to hear that it's more common than eczema. Because I feel like I hear about eczema all the time. Yeah, you're right. Between ages two and five. So yeah, you're right. That is weird. I hadn't even thought about that. Impetigo is the most common skin infection. No, wait, is eczema is not an infection. Oh, that's it. Yeah. There's the loophole. It's like a there's a maybe there's a loophole in there there it is right there so it's the most common skin infection 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 Mm. Uh, to be completely honest with you i can't name another skin infection but we're gonna leave that alone and we're gonna go on and talk about what this impetigo is impetigo it is not a scooter It usually appears on the face, especially around the nose and mouth, 
but also is sometimes on the hands and feet. So hmm. this is one of those things that has a bit of a process to it. So the main symptom of impetigo is reddish sores, like I said, around the nose and mouth. These sores show up first, but then they rupture and ooze for a few Ew. days. Oh, man. And every article that I read says that it is that they form a honey-colored crust. I actually looked at some pictures. I don't suggest doing that if you have a weak stomach. Do you know anyone, Miranda, that gets cold sores really bad? Like no. The, you don't? Okay. No. I have a couple people in my family that get like the really, really bad cold sores that like rupture mm. and all of that. It reminds me of that when you look at the photos. Mm. And actually, a honey-colored crust is a really good explanation of what's mm. going on there. There is a less common form of impetigo, which is called bolus impetigo, and that causes larger blisters that are mainly on the trunk. And when you say trunk, you mean like your torso? Torso. torso. Trunk, torso. Gotcha. Yes. So what causes this glorious honey-colored crust, you might be asking? It's like a breakfast cereal. You don't want to go you anywhere wanna, near. You don't want to do it. It is caused mainly by two different bacteria. The main one, which is responsible for 80% of cases, is Staphylococcus aureus. Oh, like a staph. Most commonly just referred to as staph. Hmm. There is another that is about 10% that's caused by group A streptococcus or strep. And group A strep is kind of a weird, I want to put a pen in that for a future topic, but that is one of the more challenging groups of strep infections to treat. So here's how this process works. The bacteria usually enter the child's skin through a cut, scrape, rash, insect bite, can be anything. So it's getting into basically it's breaking the surface in your skin. Gotcha. Right. It's not like rubbed on the top, it's going inside. Of right. Your skin. There's there's a rupture of some sort in the skin that allows the bacteria under like the top layers. And gotcha. they continue growing in the skin, which can of course lead to inflammation and infection of the top layers. They may also get impetigo from scratching something itchy. So again, you're like breaking the surface of the skin. And the mm -hmm. main causes of that are if your child has chickenpox or eczema. So mm -hmm. if something's itchy and they scrape, it's, it's allowing that bacteria to get in. It can also occur without any skin breakage. And that's usually related to other things, including head lice, which we've already talked about. Oh, wow. Scabies another biting insect thing, or eczema. So apparently the eczema sores themselves, if they are like cracked, it can, there has to be a crack in the skin from something. It doesn't necessarily have to be a cut or from scraping, but if a bug has bitten or there's a break for other reasons, that can happen. Hmm. Now it does say on here, which was kind of terrifying to me because I've never heard of this, but adults can get impetigo through conditions, including tattoos. Ew. What? 
Oh Ew. my goodness. I can't oh even gosh. imagine. Like you saved your money and waited all this time and get this beautiful oh, new wow. tattoo. And then it ends up with honey colored crust all over it. Oh, you have to have a lot of sterility when you're going for, you, for a tattoo. You sure do. And I read one article that talked a little bit more about that. They're not saying that like you get it from like the tattoo shop, but like a tattoo right. is causing a rupture in your skin. So if that then later gets exposed to the bacteria. One interesting thing I read is that if you have the strep A type of impetigo, it can usually take up to 10 days for the sores to appear. Holy if it's moly. if it's the more common staph version, that's a, a quicker time frame. So like I think it said three days was the average. Here's the important thing to know about this. Impetigo is extremely contagious, extremely Hmm. contagious. So you can be exposed to that if you come into contact with sores from someone who is infected or if you've touched clothing, linens, towels, or toys. Really? Yes. Remember just a few weeks ago, we talked about lice and how they can't really, like it would be very rare that you would like, unless you took a hat off of your head and put it right on my head. This is the opposite. That stuff can live on that. And then you, if you have a cut or scrape can end up with it. Oh my goodness. Now, do you also have to have some type of rupture or like crack on your skin somewhere for it to get in there and like fester? From what I read, yes, you would have to have a cut or a scrape or or some break. Some way for it to enter into your body, basically. But like when I think back about when Jonah was a young kid, there was Mm -hmm. always a break in his skin. Risk factors or factors that increase your chances of getting impetigo. I mentioned at the beginning, it most often occurs in children between the ages of two and five. So it's typically those younger kids. Little preschoolers. It's like daycare is what it sounds like. Yeah. It's, a, it's daycare. Impetigo spreads easily within families in crowded settings such as schools or daycare facilities and from participating in sports, any sport that involves direct contact. It is more Mm. common if you're in a warm, humid climate. That sounds familiar. (laughs) So the humid weather really, you know, the staff and strep really Mm -hmm. like that warm, humid Human, <laughs> they really <laughs> like that warm, humid weather, like a warm little noggin. Yeah, and another thing about this, <laughs> uh, if you have other health conditions, apparently it can be very common in kids who have eczema. They are much more likely to vel- develop impetigo, and older adults or people with diseases that cause them to have weakened immune systems, which makes hmm. sense. You know, there's yeah. there's a way for the bacteria to get in there. Sure. And then for your body to not have all the resources that it needs to basically fight it off if you have like immune, if you're immunosuppressed or something like that. The one person that I have known looking back on it that has had impetigo has some immune suppression kind of issues. And then Mm -hmm. a lot of times in those folks, it's very reoccurring. Like it will, it will come back. Oh yeah, that makes sense. I don't know if that has, cause you know how they test you like when you're about to, or like when you're pregnant to see if you carry, is it 
strep A, there's one thing that they, they test you for something to see if you're a carrier of it. And I know I've known a couple people that have had major surgeries and they end up getting like noses swabbed and all of that to see. I think wow. it's the strep A because if you carry huh. strep A, it can lead to a lot of different things. Now, the good news in all of this is as gross as it looks with this honey colored crust all over the place, it really isn't necessarily that dangerous. If it's not treated, obviously it can lead to like deeper infections. I saw listed cellulitis, which I've had that a couple times because of skin issues that I've had. And that's where the infection sets into like the lower layers of your skin. And it's really oh. uncomfortable. It gets very itchy and hot and yeah. like all of those things. Sounds painful. There is another more serious form of impetigo, which if it's left untreated, it can turn into that. And forgive me in advance for this pronunciation, eczema. It sounds like you just have a really bad lisp and you're trying to say eczema. Eczema. And that can actually cause painful fluid or pus-filled sores that are, like, under the surface. So, you know, pus is just so gross, like, Pus in is general. really gross. Pus is, like, the worst. It's, like, the nastiest thing. In order to avoid that, if you think that your child might have impetigo, you want to get them seen by a doctor. There are not over-the-counter treatments for this. So, like, a neosporin like, or... Like, do you just use, like, a regular antibacterial cream no, or something? it's not going to do it. It includes antibiotics, but they are almost entirely prescription antibiotics. Some of them are topical... But it has to include Bactrim, which is a pretty serious antibiotic. Yeah, that's pretty hardcore. Yeah. So, like, it's not going to be something that Neosporin can handle. A lot of times they'll put kids on oral antibiotics. So they'll do, like, a topical and an oral and those are some of the heavy hitters too, like clindamycin and Bactrim. And those are those are big mm. antibiotics. So it has mm. to do with the levels of those strep A and staph. You know, those aren't necessarily the easiest in infections to no, get rid of. Not at all. So, of course, if you think that your kid has it, make sure that they're seen, make sure that they're not around anyone else and that they keep their honey colored crust to themselves. <laughs> Apparently, they are still contagious for at least 24 hours after they've started treatment. And like I said, that can live on other things, blankets, pillows. Yeah, like, that's the scary part. Like you'll be chasing that thing down for weeks. I think back anytime I'm researching or reading about things like this, I think of those like toddler years and like how slobbery, messy, everything. gross everything, everything is. is. Like so the couches, oh the throw pillows, the bedroom pillows, the, the bibs, like, the, the bibs towels, that you change out like four times a day. The bibs—they're oh, like gosh. they're crawling on you. They're Every like touching you. Toy, it's just drooling out of their mouth. If you think your kid Oof. has it, get them to the doctor as quickly as you can. Yes, please. Um, please. 
you can put bandages over like if they have it's like i said it's usually on their nose or like around their mouth one of the photos i saw was like this poor child that it was like he had like a impetigo Mm. mustache of like this cracky oozy you can put bandages on it but be very careful doing that because with anything that oozes it'll dry and then when you have to pull it off yeah it's all sticky yeah yeah so keep that in mind but anyway that is my summary of impetigo And as I said, it is the most common skin infection in kids between the ages of two and five. If your kid hasn't had it, you probably know somebody whose kid has. I don't know about you, but this whole thing's got me craving like some cinnamon toast crunch. Ew. (laughs) Honey, honey colored crust. Gross. (laughs) I just ate cinnamon toast crunch over the weekend. Ew. So what is your favorite breakfast cereal? That's a really tough question. There's so many choices, but like There's a lot. My, There's a lot. Yeah. Okay. Well, like my splurge breakfast cereal that I know serves no nutritional purpose whatsoever uh-huh. is fruity pebbles. I love Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> it's just cornflakes with food dye, right? Oh, my God. It's not just dye. They're so delicious. And okay. they're just the right size. But does each one have a different flavor, really? Oh, I have no it's idea. All, or is it all the same? I we don't think know. they all taste the same. They all taste the same. Listen, I don't need them often. <laughs> I, I know, like I said, it's not a nutritional thing, but fruity like pebbles. once or twice a year, give me yeah. some damn fruity pebbles. I'm going to eat the, a giant bowl. <laughs> and then I'm probably going to have another one because they're really good. I used to have a girlfriend that we went to this restaurant that they made fried ice cream with uh-huh. fruity pebbles. It was fruity pebbles fried ice cream. Wow. I didn't really care about that because I don't really want the ice cream. I just want the Fruity Pebbles. You just want the Fruity Pebbles off of the ice cream. What about you? What's your favorite? Don't tell me some like damn puffin bullshit from the organic section. I want real (laughs) cereal. Although I did used to eat the puffin stuff that was literally like puffin bran. Not (laughs) knocking the puffins. I'm sure it's delicious. No, we want the... We want the good stuff. I think for me, I I really do like I do like cinnamon toast crunch, and here's why. Here's why I like it because uh, it's crunchy when you're eating it, but then all the cinnamon and sugar kind of falls off in the milk, and then you get to slurp up the cinnamony sugar milk, which yeah, is like really I it's kind of like two in one. It's like a two okay. in one. I mean, just last weekend, I I was with my nephew, so I had a bowl of cinnamon toast crunch, and it it's, was okay. It's good. It's good. It's okay. not my first choice, though. Like, You're I would go Captain girl. Crunch any day over Cinnamon Toast Crunch. You know, when I was growing up, my mom, hers was always Honey Smacks with the frog on it. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. I never liked those. My grandpa liked those. It's like an old people cereal. And my mom loved these. I never liked them when I was a kid. And it was one of those things where, like, me and my sisters would eat all of the other 
uh, cereals that were like in the pantry and the only one that would be left was my mom's honey smacks and I'd be like begrudgingly like pouring them in a bowl like oh, I have to eat the honey smacks but now like I think she was really onto something because those things slapped they were really good. I never thought that they did my dad always <sighs> ate life cereal so to oh, me gosh. life cereal is like the go-to like hey you want a bowl of cereal you're gonna Ugh. eat life yeah I don't no. mind it I I mean it doesn't it's like have Wheaties. Anything. It's it's a lot sweeter than Wheaties for sure. Oh but man. But I can remember as a kid having the roof of my mouth raw from eating so much Captain Crunch. I really would watch episode <laughs> after episode of Scooby Doo oh, eating my goodness. Captain Crunch out wow. of my plastic McDonald's bowl. Remember how the restaurants used to do that? That you got bowls and cups? And with- it was like a collect them all. I had like the Lion King cup and like the Hercules plate and like the Winnie the Pooh. My mom still drinks water out of a Wilma cup that I think is from Burger King. Wilma! <laughs> That's amazing. From Burger King circa 1996. I mean, it the wasn't Wilma even 96. Cup. It had to have been way earlier than that. That's Isn't like that an incredible? 80s cup. They had some good shit. They don't give stuff like that anymore. They don't give that stuff out. No. Gosh. I mean, geez, Louise. Well, as much as cereals related to parenting, why don't really you talk is. to us about parenting? Okay, okay, I will. I will. Okay, so I wanted to talk about bedtime routines because we're getting ready to go back to school. That's a huge part of it, right? Yeah. It's Just thinking it. about it really stresses me out. It's the worst. It's the worst because we always get off the routine in the summer and it's amazing because we get to sleep in and do things. But now the early mornings are back with a with a vengeance. Miranda, I'm not just off routine. Like, I have no routine. Like, (laughs) my kid sleeps in the guest room all summer and falls asleep watching TV, which is it's not recommended, but it is summer. So whatever. I put the timer on. I don't leave it on all night. But the thought of having to get him to bed at like 8 30 a reasonable hour is making my stomach hurt it's the worst to think about tell me how to do it (laughs) it's the worst and we've done okay like keeping up with ours but also like we have a younger child so i think it's just easier you know when Mm -hmm. your kid's a little bit younger the older they get this is like really hard to do so okay before we get into like the routines themselves i wanted to share just some facts about sleep in general one of the biggest questions I think we always have as parents is like, how many hours of sleep does my kid need, you know, based on how old they are. So infants from four to 12 months need 12 to 16 hours of sleep, including naps total. Okay. It's not bad. We're not mad about it. Toddlers one to two years old need 11 to 14 hours of sleep. So they're still sleeping for more than half the day. I don't feel like my toddler ever slept that much. Yeah, two two and under, <sighs> including okay. naps, including naps. Okay. Yeah, preschoolers ages three to five need 10 to 13 hours total Ooh. a day, including okay. naps. And now here's where it hits home. Grade schoolers, so elementary school kiddos, six to 12 years old, need nine to 12 hours. That's kind of the sweet spot, nine to 12. 
Yeah. That's hard to pull off when the school starts so early. It really is. And there's only 24 hours in the day. So like, there's only so much we can do here. And then teens, so 13 to 18 years old, they need eight to 10 hours. I mean, I also need eight to 10 hours. <laughs> you know, right? Me too. <laughs> so sleep. 42 year olds need eight to 10 hours. They don't ever get it, but they need it. We never get it. We need it so bad. So sleep is super critical for brain development. That's what we know. That's been proven time and time again. But specifically, this is really good for your visual cortex and your motor system. So REM sleep, which is usually, you know, when you're dreaming, rapid eye movement, mm -hmm. this is really helpful for this particular type of brain development. And have you ever noticed like when, and, and I don't know, they've, they've done this study on humans and on animals. And when we're in REM sleep, we are actually kind of twitchy. Like mm -hmm. we're twitching and moving. My cats are for sure. Yes. Like and they have like full fledged, like they're chasing something. Yeah, yeah. When they're dreaming. And so it's so cool that animals do this too. But what that is, is that is your body's motor system in your brain. That system is working and practicing basically. So th that's, well, that's the mechanism cool. there. Yeah. It's all of those little uh, neural pathways for your motor coordination and all of that is actually taking place while you're sleeping in REM sleep. In addition to the visual cortex and the motor system, children who get good sleep actually perform better at working memory tasks. So this is super important for kiddos who are two and under. They have found that children who don't get enough sleep actually really struggle to learn a language because it has to do with the way their memory is connecting to those words and how everything is stored in their brains. That makes sense. And there's actually some new research that's coming out now. So it's like a growing body of research that is suggesting that inadequate sleep leads to more negative and less positive emotions. And I didn't get into all of that research, but my guess is it's probably hormone related. You know, when you're asleep, there's just so much that's going on with your hormones. Um, and we know dopamine and serotonin are like super relevant to how you feel and whether you're happy or positive or negative, right. whatever. So all of that to say, we got to get our kiddos to sleep. It's good for them. We sure do at like way earlier than it feels like we should. A hundred percent. I mean, if we were going to get him 12 hours of sleep on a school night, he would have to go to bed at 645. Isn't that crazy? That's impossible. That's definitely not possible. I think I don't get home from work till five. Nine to 12 hours of sleep. Yeah, 12 isn't Maybe happening. you split the difference. Yeah, 12 is just out of the picture. We're not doing that. That's crazy. <laughs> I love how you're like over there working the math as we go. We can't do that. <laughs> That's not possible. So one of the best tried and true ways to get your kiddo to hit the hay is to have a bedtime routine. And we've heard that phrase a million hundred thousand times, but I personally have never really looked into the research behind a routine and like why is that important from like a, a research you know right. perspective so that's what i wanted to do and that's what i got so i found one really cool st study and in this study researchers surveyed families with kids between the ages of three to five years old and they found that children who were in families with optimal bedtime routines had better performance in terms of executive function specifically their working memory which we talked about earlier mm -hmm. 
but also inhibition and attention, which kind of makes me think about our ADHD content that we got into, and cognitive flexibility. Okay. Well, those all sound like good things. Really important things. So they looked at all of these measures. They looked at the kids who were on a good regular routine and the kids who weren't. Kids who were on a good regular routine performed better than the kids who weren't in these specific areas. They also found that these kids scored higher in their readiness for school and they had better dental health, which seems so random. But then I thought about one of the most important bedtime routines we have, which is toothbrushing. Exactly. So, so, so crazy there. So they had better dental health as well. And finally, parents. So that not only did they look at the kids in the study, they also looked at the parents and they found that parents who had optimal bedtime routines also deployed a more positive parenting style in general compared to those with suboptimal bedtime routines. So it's actually, you know, can be better for parents too. So we need to have a routine ourselves as well. Yeah, routines are good in a lot of ways sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes. All of this that we're talking about with with bedtime routines is a larger thing known as sleep hygiene. And there's a lot of things that we can do to promote good sleep hygiene and be consistent with it. And when we do that, obviously it's gonna set our kids up for success later on. So really what they recommend is no more than three or four activities as part of your regular bedtime routine and no more than about 30 minutes. If you are like winding down for bed for like more than 30 minutes, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. So okay. focus on three or four things and, and try to just keep it simple, keep it short and effective. And um, one of the best tips that I found was you can really wind down the whole household. So when it's time to start getting ready for bed, everybody kind of needs to go about (laughs) the the routine together. So you can dim lights, you can turn off screens, you can play music or maybe turn off the music or whatever. Okay, so I've got some do's and don'ts. Do's and don'ts. I love do's and don'ts. I know. So some do's here is the first one is do be consistent. So make sure that you keep those little activities and you do them over and over again, regardless of if it's a weeknight, school night, weekend night, whatever. Try to keep it consistent. Keep it up during the day. So make sure that you're not only having a bedtime routine, but that you are being mindful of your daytime activities because that's going to promote a better bedtime routine. So like, don't let your kid take a nap really, really close to bedtime. Right. Definitely not. Yeah. Like, so just be mindful of what they're doing in their activities during the day. Make sure they're waking up at a reasonable hour too and not sleeping in for a really long time. Unless they're a teenager, there's actually some research out there that letting your teens sleep in can actually be really good for them. Getting lots of exercise, sunlight, and outdoor time during the day can help you to sleep better at night. So follow some basic sleep hygiene rules. Keep the bedroom dark, cool, and quiet. And you can, of course, use like a dim night light if you need to, but try to keep noise levels in the rest of the house down once you put your kiddos to bed. Another do 
is make gradual changes. So try to not introduce more than one change at a time to the bedtime routine and consider delaying them if there's other changes going on. So if like you're in a transition or you're moving or starting school or something's happening, and then you can always shift. What they actually recommend is shifting bedtime by 15 minute increments each night. So getting ready for back to school that's really good because then you can kind of work in reverse of how many days you need to do that. I mean, with far, how far out of hand we are, we probably should have started like a week ago. <laughs> it's so, I mean, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to sit down with my calculator and work that reverse math, but 15 minutes a night, I think that seems pretty good. And I think about too, not just like back to school, but also daylight savings time. Yeah, that's true. All right. And some don'ts. Don't start getting ready for bed when your kids are already super sleepy. They can actually get more hyperactive and more grumpy, and then it's harder for them to fall asleep. Try to start the routine before they start yawning. Oh, okay. So you want to get you want to get this started before they're really tired. Right. And really your bedtime routine should have like these are the activities that kind of wind us down and make us sleepy. So kind of again, we've talked about association before. You're associating these things with sleepiness. The more that you do them, the more tired your child should get. So not waiting until they're sleepy to do it, but doing this gotcha. to induce sleep. Because anything is hard to get a child to do when they're sleepy. When they're sleepy. That's the truth. Don't let your kiddos use screens. And we talked about this in one of our earliest episodes about screen we time sure did. and insomnia. We learned a lot in that episode. But the blue light that's coming out of your TV or other electronic devices can actually interfere with your melatonin production and can overstimulate you when you're trying to wind down. So, you know, don't think, oh, well, I let my child watch their iPad so they can sit still. You're actually interfering with their melatonin production. So screen time should really stop hour and a half or two hours prior to them going to bed. This is one of my biggest failures as a parent. That's a Because I let it roll right on. Well, and I mean, I'm like, I'm doing this and I'm working. I'm thinking about my bedtime routine and it's like, hmm, I brush my teeth and then I usually look at my phone sideways for like two hours in bed before I finally right. fall asleep. <laughs> right. Scrolling. Like, I'm not like doing good. Doom scrolling. <laughs> I'm then... like reading the BuzzFeed articles. <laughs> You do love the BuzzFeed. And then I'm reading (laughs) on my tablet, which is also a screen with my TV on in the background. Yeah, we could all use some work. We're a mess. We're a mess. (laughs) Okay, this one actually interested me. So you know how sometimes like you hear like, oh, yeah, let your child get all their energy out before bedtime, like let them run around and act crazy. Actually, it's a really bad thing to do. Again, it goes back to building your day up with the right activities that your kids need to be running around and burning off their steam during the day because they can actually, if they're running around and being too active at night, they can get themselves back into that overtired, overstimulated state where it's even harder for them to wind back down and go to sleep. I have always thought that. And I think that's true about myself too. Like really? if I get like all like sleepy and then I get up and I start doing a bunch of stuff, then I'm awake again. Yeah, you like get your second wind. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the whole second wind situation. Mm-hmm. Yep, watch out for that second wind, guys. It's a real you thing. Gotta, you gotta, you don't let it happen. Just don't go to let bed. It happen. Don't give your kiddos sugary s- treats or caffeine. Keep evening snacks light and keep them healthy. Caffeine can keep them awake, and sugar before bed can, of course, lead to cavities and, you know, get them all hyped right. up too. Well, that, that makes sense. I, I kind of hate that because I don't know. Did you guys ever eat like dessert growing up? Did you have like a good old fashioned yeah. dessert after dinner? Are you kidding me? Like my mother still to this day. If really? We, eat, we have a dessert of some kind. I love that. I love that so much. And like I yeah. like to do a dessert every now and then. But now I'm kind of like we we eat so close to bedtime because we try to put Fisher to bed at eight. So we're starting our bedtime routine at 730 and we're eating at 630. So it's like right there. I don't know. You're doing better than me because I swear once school starts again, a lot of times I don't actually sit down to eat something until like 845. And then I'm like, I shouldn't even eat now. Like, I need to just go to bed. But like, I know I'll wake up because I'm so hungry. It's because you're hungry and your belly's crying. Well, I know, but like, you're early lunch. I'm late lunch. That's right. That's how I end up there. (laughs) Me and Melody could never go to lunch at the same time when we work together because it's like 1130. I'm like, Mel, I'm starving. Let's go. No, literally (laughs) just had breakfast. Leave me alone. (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so funny. The caffeine thing kind of surprised me because I was like, well, who's giving their kid caffeine before bedtime? Yeah, I don't think anybody, not intentionally, but where is it? Is it hidden in things? It's hidden in things. And I want to tell you where it's hidden. Where is it? Surprise me. This is going to scare me. It's chocolate, isn't it? I love chocolate. chocolate. Chocolate is the main place that it's hiding, which is, again, it goes back to dessert. So if you're eating chocolate or like pudding, those actually have caffeine. And I'm going to give you another one that's really surprising that we've talked about. Breakfast cereals. Really? There's caffeine in there. Breakfast cereals. Yes. Some of them have caffeine. How does Fruity Pebbles stock up? (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I need to to do that research. But that one's really funny because, okay, so me and my dad used to do this thing when I was a kid where we would have like a midnight snack, but it wasn't a midnight snack. It was like a 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. Yeah, it was like a 9 p.m. snack. And it was always cereal. cereal. It was always cereal. So now it's like... You're staying up too late and you're then you're eating, you know, cereal and all right. the sugary food. I loved our midnight snacks. It may be the chocolate and it the could be cereal. the cocoa pebbles and the cocoa crispies oh, and gosh, the, the cocoa puffs and cocoa crispies. And the Reese's cereal. Damn. Cocoa crispies were the shit. I never like chocolate cereal. I love chocolate, but I don't like a chocolate cereal. Man, but it's kind of the same thing because then it turns your milk chocolate. I see, but you know how I don't like milk. (laughs) I don't like the milk. It's just there for a purpose. Okay, couple more don'ts. Let's get through them. We're almost done. Don't read scary bedtime stories. Avoid scary stories and other mentally or physically stimulating activities before bed. I get that. And scary stories. So those of you with elementary age kids, like maybe not the I Survived series, 
because it's terrifying. I don't even know what that is. I don't know if I want to know. It's literally like every catastrophe that's ever occurred in the world. Like I survived Auschwitz or I survived the California wildfires or I survived the Titanic. And it's like first person stories. Wow. They're terrifying. Yeah, no, not what I want to read before I go to bed. Mm -mm. No. Okay. And then this last one's really hard. Try to not let your kids sleep in on weekends oh i'm out i failed give me an f i'm not doing it if he's still asleep he's staying i don't care (laughs) oh my goodness and again like i swear i've seen research where like teenagers like let them sleep in as much as they can and i think there's even been some pushes for high school as a whole to start later than it does because it's good for them to sleep i don't know it's a hormone thing hormones it all comes back it's tempting to catch up on sleep on non-school days but if you stray more than an hour from your usual wake-up time, it can cause trouble falling asleep later on in the day, which of course makes sense. So I get it. I get it. Yeah, we get it. It's not fun. But like tried and true bedtime routines. I mean, what kind of comes to mind there? Around here, it is always on yeah. weekends and summer, we're kind of like a like a college dorm around here. <laughs> but when school is in session, it's always brush your teeth, then we read, and then he can do something if he wants to read like a little bit more or my kid likes to draw a lot, but he only gets like about 30 minutes on that. And then he has to lay down. Gotcha. Ideally, we would read and then he would go to sleep, but he's usually not tired. He has that creative brain that has ideas. Oh, so the drawing's kind of a good way to get it out, though. That makes sense, mm-hmm. actually. There's no screens. Like, he's not allowed to have any screens in his room. He doesn't have it. a TV yeah. in his room. His iPad has to be out in the common area. It has to be either a book or pencils and paper. I like the pencils and paper thing, though. It's like the last end of the day kind of brain dump, get it out so that Mm -hmm. then you can kind of relax and go to sleep and you're not thinking about all those things. It's like it's almost like cathartic in a way that I love that. That's brilliant. Yeah, ours is and there's so much back and forth. And that's the part I need to work on (laughs) talking about physical activity because Fisher's room is upstairs and his bathroom is downstairs. So he's like, but down the stairs, up the stairs. Down the stairs. Yeah. So he goes upstairs to put on his jammies. He comes downstairs to get his melatonin gummies. He drinks here. He eats those and then he brushes his teeth. And then we run back up his stairs to read a book together. I think you need to put the pajamas on last. You think so? Well, that saves hmm. you a trip up the stairs. That could work. That you could do work. the gummies, you brush the teeth, mm-hmm. then you go upstairs, put pajamas on, and read a book. That's a that's a yeah, that's a good idea. I'm familiar with the layout of your house. It is a uh, it's a hike. It's across the whole the whole house to get from his room to the bathroom. It's so funny. But yeah, you know, it's one of those things where like I know he's not asleep when we're done reading at eight o'clock. Right. But, but at that point, it's like, dude, you're on your own. Like you're up here. I'm going downstairs. If he gets up and plays with his toys, especially in the summer when like it's still light out, yeah. you know, that's fine. Lately, he's been bringing like a few random little toys in the bed and he'll just kind of play with them in the bed yeah, as he falls I think asleep. That's fine. So. Yeah. 
lots of common things there. Definitely dental hygiene is important, brushing your teeth, reading. We've talked a lot about reading with your kids and how good that is. So if there's nothing else that you include in your bedtime routine, try to fit in the tooth brushing and the reading if you can. Those are those are proven, sure. tried and true good things to do. All right, that's it on bedtime routines. Okay, good luck, everybody. I mean, we're about to get back to the grind. I am not looking forward to it. <laughs> Me but neither. <laughs> we're all in this together, so just do your best. Instead of a spotlight, I'm going to ask you if you have a nightlight for us. A nightlight. How cute. You know I do. I always do. You, you so rarely do. I, I, I have to be ready. Oh, Listen, I'm slack. I'm slack AF. <laughs> when I came across this organization, uh-huh. I was like, I cannot even believe that this exists. We have to include it in this episode because okay. I knew that you were doing bedtime routines. So our spotlight or nightlight for this episode is actually called Pajama Program. Pajama Program is a national 501c3 nonprofit organization that promotes equitable access to healthy sleep so all children can thrive. They provide new pajamas and storybooks, sleep health education, and caring connections to ensure that children facing adversities which include low-income families, housing insecurity, and family instability, have tools they need for better bedtimes. Since 2001, Pajama Program has delivered over 7.5 million good nights for good days. And that's what their program consists of. They use a national network of volunteers and partnerships with 4,000 community-based organizations across the United States. And also they provide local programming in, they have a location in New York City, Atlanta, and in the Metro Detroit area. It's really cool. You guys check it out. Their website is pajamaprogram.org. And so not only do they provide storybooks and pajamas, but they also like connect kids who don't have anybody to other people who can read them a bedtime story. And I thought that was so sweet. There's a whole bunch of information on their website. Definitely check them out. One of the main spotlights that I noticed on there was what they call their good night bill of rights. (laughs) And it has five parts to it. I'm going to go ahead and read them. It says every child has the right to a sense of stability and security in their world. Every child has the right to a comforting bedtime routine shared with a loving caregiver. Every child has the right to pajamas and storybooks, the tools for bedtime. (laughs) Every child has a right to get the healthy sleep they need to thrive. And every child has the right to a good night for a good day. Oh, I love that. I love their bill of rights. I'm so glad that you shared that with us. That's fantastic. I was really excited to find it. And it looks like, I mean, it's very well established, has been around for a long time, and they are doing good things. Put your jammies on and visit pajamaprogram.org. 
If you like what you hear from us, be sure to follow our show. And if you really like us, you can leave us a review on the podcast platform of your choice. We want to be friends with you. Connect with us on social media by following at Mother Mayhem Podcast or email us directly at Mother Mayhem Podcast at gmail.com. And that is Melanie. She loves. <laughs> what do sorry. what do I love? Hold on, yours was so good, and I didn't have one ready, and I thought it would come to me, and then it didn't. I did. Oh, yeah. okay.